how many of you believe that God can do the unbelievable? Amen. Amen. That's, that's why we're here. I just want to say just for a moment, kind of off script where I was going to go, that there was a real significant moment. I don't know if you felt that, that the Holy Spirit was doing through the worship just a few minutes ago. I mean, a real significant moment. And what I believe God just spoke to my heart about as I was just worshiping was somebody here today needs deliverance, okay? So what that means is sometimes we just get a lot of strongholds that the enemy will, will, will grab onto because maybe we've opened ourselves up to some things that, that aren't good. And the enemy wants us to stay in that place to think that there is absolutely no hope out of this. And I just want to say out of the get-go, the power of his word can deliver us, can bring us to a whole new level that can break the atmosphere. And I, I just, let's just pray, Father, we just want to stay, God, in this place with you. We don't want to hurry too quickly that we miss a moment, Spirit, what you're doing. I pray that you'd speak to us, speak to your church, God, speak to your people. I pray, God, today that somebody, God, finds you in a powerful way, this living, breathing, active God that you are. I pray that you'd bring such a visitation to our hearts that when we leave this place, God, we will definitely leave different than when we came in. And so, God, we look to you. We turn it over to you. Holy Spirit, we can't have a meeting without you. We can't have church without you, so direct the service, God. Bring people to the cross. Let just somebody here today just know that they're loved by you, God, no matter what. And we just give you this time, in Jesus' name, and everybody said together, amen. amen. Well, what a great Sunday on Easter. I just want to say thank you to all the servants that made Easter services happen. Those of you that were on the worship team, I know first impressions, people that were out, you know, serving breakfast to people and helping people park and just making people feel welcome that we really want people to be a part of our family. Amen. So would you just help me thank everyone that did such a great job. Now say, I just, um, as your pastor, we have an amazing pastoral team here, a ministry team that I just love working alongside. And so on our team, we're real careful, careful about, there's, there's no one person that's more important than the other. We're all at level ground at the foot of the cross, and it's just a privilege to serve. Amen? Now, we get real excited, you know, about lots of people were here. There were about 1,100 people that were here total on Easter, and we thank God for that. Um, but I'll tell you this, some people got saved on Easter Sunday. And so we're having a special, we're having our baptism service right after the second hour. So obviously, you know, you won't be here for that. But I just want to ask you, please pray for these souls that have given their hearts to Jesus Christ, that they have a powerful encounter with God at their baptism. You remember, those of you that got baptized, that is a significant moment where you die to yourself and you resurrect to walk this new life in Jesus Christ. So it's a big deal. It's not some religious ceremony. It's not something we just do. We do it because Jesus commanded us to do do it, but he invites us to do something that he did when he was 30 years old, and it's just a privilege. So if you're thinking about getting baptized, we'd love to talk to you about that. Um, so just want to make sure you know that there are folks who are getting saved, they're finding Jesus, and we want to help them walk this walk of discipleship together. Somebody say amen to that. Hey, a church that does not pray, a church that does not put prayer as the priority is a powerless church. And I don't mean that in any judgmental way. I just mean for this house, I can only be responsible for our family. We are a church that believes in the power of prayer. Amen? 
So we're having prayer gathering, 7 o'clock Tuesday night. You don't want to miss prayer gathering. Here's what I want to say about prayer. I believe there are intercessors and people that God has called to be a part of this church, that they are the pillars in the basement of the church, if you will. Not that we have a real basement. We have a spiritual basement. They're the ones that are praying, seeking God, asking Holy Spirit, what do you want? Lifting up pastors, lifting up all of you. There are things in the unseen world that are happening in prayer. And if you need something from God, if you think, well, you know what, Pastor Mike, I don't pray out loud. I don't really feel comfortable. That's okay. It's not that kind of prayer meeting. We're not going to say, hey, can you pray on this and you pray on this? We just leave it up to the Holy Spirit. But I want to say this. If you're hurting, if you have problems, if you have pain, if you know someone that's hurting, know someone that's lost in desperation and can't find life or can't find hope, I want to ask you to come because God always does something on prayer night. Every time God moves in a powerful way, he always sets his people praying. So prayer is a huge part. Now, there's one day a year, President Reagan put it into Congress, that's called the National Day of Prayer. We all know that, right? Okay, good, 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 good. Now, here's the thing, here's the thing about that. There are all kinds of religions all over the country that are going to be praying that day. That's on May 5th, it's Thursday. Who should be the ones that turn out the most for National Day of Prayer? Yes, yes, there's one, you're, one's with me, all right. So listen, God has given us favor with the city of Mission Viejo, the city council and our mayor. By the way, our mayor is part of our church family here. She is bold. She is, stands up for Jesus Christ in council meetings. She's just an awesome witness. But I just want to say this, because of all that over the years, and I believe prayer and fasting and everything that we've been doing, God has given us favor where the city says, you know what, go ahead and just use a soccer field right over here on La Paz and Marguerite at the Norman P. Murray Center. You can have it for the National Day of Prayer, a Christian prayer meeting. This is not like all faiths. We're not doing, this is about praying to Jesus Christ. Everybody's welcome, but we're praying to the one God. How many of you know we need change in America, right? We need an overhaul. And that starts with me. That starts with us. It starts with the house of God. So I just want to invite you 6 p.m., May 5th. Put it in your phone right now. Come on, everybody, take your phone out. Put it in there, 6 p.m. We're going to meet for one hour. If you come late, it's okay. If you have to leave early, it's okay. Um, we're just, I'm just believing God's going to bring 500 Christians from all churches, and we're just going to pray. We're just going to seek God and believe that God can do something amazing. Now, one more quick thing, and then we'll get into what's on my heart today. There are special, special, special little ones that are part of our family here at MVCC. We call them littles, right? They're the children. They're very close to Jesus' heart. Jesus says, unless you become like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Thank God for our preschool. We have kindergarten through eighth grade. We love kids. There's always been a special anointing over the years before I even got here that we've always been about loving children and helping them see the love of God, that they are valuable and special and God loves them, has a plan for them. And it's not just teaching them the Bible. They sing songs and go home and sing those songs for mom and dad and say, mom and dad, we got to go to church. I mean, it's amazing things that we get to see through the lives of little ones. So we believe so strongly that we have a responsibility. Can I just say this? I am so glad that every single one of you are here. I really am. I am, I am passionately excited that you have decided to get up, going to be at church. And if you're online, very same thing. It's, you know, it's all one. We're here worshiping God. But there is a generation coming up behind us 
They need to see the love of Jesus Christ. They need to experience that. And so we believe so strongly in that, putting our money where our mouth is, that we are renovating our entire building one section right behind this auditorium. The whole wing here is going to be dedicated to children and youth. There are bigger classrooms. There are higher ceilings. There's more lighting. There's just more opportunity for children to have a a, a well-rounded experience on Sunday morning church service. And so we're in that renovation process. And so I just want to let you know that's coming. We just step out in faith and believe that God's going to do it. I'm just kind of of the flavor that we got to step out in faith and do what God's telling us to do. Okay, And so I want to say thank you for your financial commitment, your financial commitment to Jesus. But I want to thank you for those that are giving to MVCC, and I want to encourage you. As you continue to do that, we've seen an uptick in that. We've been praying for that, and so we just decided, you know, we're going to do it. We've got to reach more children. We, have to, we just have to. I don't know how else to say it. That's all I got to say about that. Okay. Um. When I saw my wife for the first time, and forgive me, this just a quick second here, those of you that heard the story. Um, when I saw my wife for the very first time at Laguna Hills Mall Cinema, do y'all remember Laguna Hills Mall Cinema back in the day where there used to be a mall? What's, you, young people are saying, what's a mall, right? There aren't malls anymore. I do everything on Amazon. But um, so I, I got my job while I was in college. I was a ticket taker and sweat the stuff off the carpets and, you know, clean the theaters and listen to the manager yell at me all day. And like, I'm 21 years old and I'm having someone who's, you know, 20 yell at me. So I'll just, but I'll humble myself and work. I looked over one afternoon as I came in for my shift at the um, glass booth where the tickets are sold for the movies. And I saw her. Now, when I first saw her, I remember to this day what she was wearing. She was wearing brown corduroy pants, these clog shoes, and this white blouse, and she, her hair was so beautiful. I made every excuse I could to go inside that ticket booth, you know, to clean and do whatever I could do, and just to meet her. So the first time I laid eyes on her, I fell in love with her. I just knew, you know, like, and I was saved at the time, so I just, you know, some of you have the, had experience. You just, you just know. I, like, knew after, I, like, a week I wanted to marry her. And so um, it was so fun. But um, what I was doing is cleaning out my garage last week, and I saw up on the top some boxes that I needed to go through, and I pulled down the boxes, and my wife saved the notes, the cards and notes that I wrote to her when we were, like, dating. So I wanted to share um, just one with... Actually, can I share two? Um, because it's going to relate to where we're going today. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 7. It's an incredible scene that we're going to climb into uh, for these next few moments. But this is a card that um, I got for her. These, of course, Hallmark cards, right? You got to go down the aisle and find the right one that just, you know, fits with your heart. But this one says, my heart is wherever you are. And then it says, love you, little Laura, because that's what I call her, little Laura. But then there's, there's another one that I found that she saved. C- can I share this one with you? Laura, I can't believe it's been six months uh, that we, w- we have been going out. I sense something special between us. When I think about the first time I saw you at the movie theater, your smile, your laugh, your baby blue eyes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I knew that was the day. What I most love about you is how God is making you into the woman that God wants you to be. I know that God has something in store for us. I love you with all my heart, Mike. Now, 
I went into the family room when I picked this book up that she had saved. I said, Lori, you're not going to believe what I found. And she said, what? I said, it's the stuff that I wrote you. And I, she saved the stuff that, you know, she wrote to me. And I said, um, I, can I just read it to you? So I read these two to her. And I said, I'm just kind of curious, which one meant more? <laughs> she said, of course, the one that you wrote. I got thinking about that as I was preparing my message. And I thought, you know, there's sometimes I want so much to express how much I love Jesus. I want to tell him, I am so, my heart is so filled with gratitude, God, that you would love me, that you forgave me, that you, 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 you rescued me out of the depths of my own life. I'm not talking about like church and religion and stuff. I'm just talking about, man, when I found Jesus, my whole life was turned upside down, right side up, whatever you want to call it. And, and I just thinking about that sometime along the way, that I don't know how sometimes to tell Jesus how much I love him because he's not like right here physically. I mean, if Jesus were here physically, I'd be like down on my knees. I'd be kissing his feet, hugging his ankles. I would be like, just never want to leave that moment. I know we all would want to be there, right? But he's not physically here. So how, how do I express my thanks and my love to someone who is so awesome and changed my entire life? How do we, how do you, how do I do that. Sometimes I feel like, and I'll be honest with you, sometimes in worship or just in life, I bring a Hallmark card to God. And I meant the Hallmark card. I mean, I meant what it was written, but somebody else wrote that. But the one that I wrote that wasn't correct grammar and I couldn't quite read it, didn't have the commas in the right place. But that was from my heart that I wrote to her. I just think God wants us with gratitude and thanks and just adoration, just to tell him, God, I love you so much. And I hope by the end of these next like 20 minutes or so that, that when we leave this place, you know what? I want to write that thank you, that adoration letter to God rather than just giving God a Hallmark card. Does that make sense? So how do we express our gratitude and love for such an amazing God that we have? I, I, I want to introduce you to three people, three very significant people in this text. If you have your Bibles, you have your phones, you can open up to Luke 7, 36 to 50. But I just want to introduce and do a little bit of background work. For me, when I read the Bible, man, I got to climb into the pages. I can't just read it like a textbook. That's, I don't think the Bible was written to be a textbook information. It was meant for us to interact. So as we're going through this account, by the way, I, I, I've, I've even said this myself, this story, this is not a story. This is a real life account. I mean, this really happened. When, when we're going to go into the home of Simon here, Jesus was there. There were crowds of people everywhere. I want you to smell what the house smelled like when we're walking into the Pharisee's house. I, I want you to notice what everybody's wearing. I, I want you to feel the atmosphere that's in the room because there's a lot of tension in this room that we're walking into. I, I, I want you to see there's one significant person. Of course, Jesus is the most, but there's another significant person that is unannounced and uninvited into this room and she comes in and changes the 
entire atmosphere of every single person there. The most prideful, hard-hearted person can be changed and broken because of one person's spirit that is broken by God, and they know their place. They know their humility before God. Now, this guy named Simon was what's called the separatist. They called themselves the separatists, meaning they, they separated themselves from everybody else. They were Jewish leaders, Pharisees. Some of them were called scribes. The scribes were the ones that would literally make copies of like the Old Testament and New Testament, and they would make copies because back in the day, they didn't have Xerox copy machines. I know some of you are saying, what's, even a, what's a Xerox copy machine? But, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. They had to hand do all that stuff. These separatists, they thought they were better than everyone else. They thought they were God's gift to God's people. God, you're so, I know you're so glad to have me serving in your kingdom. If it weren't for me and my leadership and the knowledge you gave me and all the commitment that I've made, and I, I, I was a part of their normal vocabulary. You, you get the drift, right? Simon says, Jesus, come over to my house. I'll serve you dinner. Now, my first reaction is, because I'm kind of a glass half full guy, when I read the text, I'm thinking, well, cool. Simon, Simon wants to know who Jesus is. He wants to investigate, is he really the Messiah? Is he the one that was promised from thousands of years ago from the prophet Isaiah and Abraham and David? All these prophetic words that came through the Old Testament that Jesus, over 300 of them, Jesus would be the son of God. He will come and save the world. Could it be that this is the guy? This is our man. This is the one that came from Abraham, 14 generations, the 14th generation, the third 14th generation. This is the one. Could it be? I don't think so. I think he had one goal when he invited Jesus over for dinner. Because, you know, it's kind of interesting when we ask questions of the Bible. The Bible answers the own questions. So if we go back to the previous chapter, in chapter 6 of Luke, it says that many were trying to accuse him and trap him. So they brought Jesus to the house Say, we're going to get him now. Now, here's the question I have. Why? Why would they try to entrap someone who's just trying to infuse love into everyone? He's trying to teach the world about love is where it's at. My father's love for you. My kingdom is not of this world. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is within you. All those amazing messages. Jesus did miracles and healings and all these incredible things that he did. Crowds of people by the thousands. In fact, one commentator believed that they were over the grassy slopes. They were hungry and tired, listening all day to the Sermon on the Mount. 20 plus thousand people were listening to the word of God. Thousands of people were interacting with Jesus at any given day. Why wouldn't they be a part of the crowds that were listening? Because they were jealous. Jesus was a threat. Jesus was a threat to the religious system. Jesus was a threat because all these people were following them and the religious people were going, hey, where's our crowds? I know he's healed the sick and the hurting and terminally ill people and spiritually oppressed by the demonic people that are confused and dying and trying to figure out life. But there's a groundswell of excitement that's happening here. In fact, when Jesus came to earth, he didn't come just to build a structure of church service. He came to build a movement. He came to do something in the heart where there's a movement. If they did away with all of the church buildings in America, it wouldn't stop Christianity. Christianity's here. Christianity's out there. This is kind of a huddle here that we get our instruction from God, but we go out there, we live for Jesus Christ unhindered. 
Now, there was a religious stronghold over the people in that day because these people had made extra rules and extra regulations and they held everybody to the standard that they believed in. It was hard to be a Jewish follower. It was hard to go to the synagogue and follow all of these rules that really weren't even in the Bible. And the worst thing about it is they saw themselves as the protectors of the law. Do you kind of get a flavor here? So when we go into Simon's house, I want you to know the kind of atmosphere it's, it's the protector of God's rules. That's why Simon brought Jesus to dinner. And let's read the text now. And so one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to his home and he sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city, heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, now watch this, said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman's touching him. She is a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Isn't this cool? Jesus knows everything. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Well, go ahead, good teacher. Simon replied. Then Jesus told him the story. Isn't Jesus beautiful? Let me, let, me, let, me, let me explain something to you in story form. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. So who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, well, I suppose the one from whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman, said to Simon, as he's looking at her, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you did not offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, for from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. And I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven shows only a little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. 
go in peace. This is such a holy moment for this woman. But not only for her, but it's for every single male inside of that room to see the love of God in action. What I love about this is that I think this was a spontaneous moment of affection and adoration for Jesus who must have done something to absolutely change her life. I want us to see here the scripture really clear because there's small words in here and we don't want to overrun too quickly. It says that she was an immoral woman, which we know she probably was in the prostitution sex industry. It's been going on for thousands of years, unfortunately. And I think the thing that's most sad about that is a lot of the women and men that unfortunately get into this kind of industry It's because in most of their cases, most of them have either been abused or hurt or neglected and they feel like this is what they're drawn to and what they're worthy of. It is such a sad existence. I don't think that this woman understood that she was not only loved for free, but certainly she didn't know how to love. I, I did just a little bit of research and um, an article that I found from a woman by the name of Kathy Sheraton. An article entitled A Prostitute's Life. As she sat down and talked to some of these women that had been into this um, kind of trade and industry. And here's, here's what she writes. She was shocked as she wrote down these words. Last year, these women reported horrific, horrific levels of sexual, physical, and emotional abuse. They were punched in the face and in the stomach, kicked downstairs, beaten for refusing to have sex with men, were locked in, refused food, even burned and bitten. Women were told by buyers that they were ugly, not very good, that they would never amount to anything meaningful. And they were told, this is your destiny and you will never get out, end of quote. I think this is the first time that this woman ever heard that you are loved for free by Jesus, by him, by God. I think it's my personal opinion by reading this and rereading this and reading this and praying about it that there was an encounter that Jesus had with her. We don't know exactly where. Something changed her from the inside out where she got in touch with an in-your-face love that she knew would never leave here. It was, her, it was not conditional. It was not built on her good looks or what she did or what she thought. It was simply built on freedom, that God loved her for free. She came in contact with so much. The only response that she could have is to go into this place where she was unannounced and uninvited, let alone a woman coming into a place and putting her hands on the feet of a rabbi that was absolutely not allowed let alone be in this very room to touch him and to be close to the great rabbi teacher uh uh-uh, uh not allowed according to law and certainly not according to the culture and she she i i i i like her because i believe she's desperate desperate to be in the presence of god almighty and whatever it takes she's going to be there now here's my question that is the kind of desperation you and i need We have to be people that are desperate for God. I will get to God at any cost. 
I'm not talking about just coming to church service. I am so glad you're here. And if you're watching online, I'm so glad you logged on. But it's more than that. I'm talking about being in the very presence of God who loves you, who shaped you, who has a plan for your life. He's given you a new identity, a new spirit, a new soul. He's revived your life. He's resurrected. He did away with all the sins. Here's the most powerful thing about meeting Jesus Christ. You and I are forgiven. She was forgiven of everything. Everything that was done to her and everything that she did, every bad mistake, every wrong thought, she was forgiven of all of it. I remember sitting in an auditorium much like this 30 plus years ago and hearing a guy who just had blue jeans on and a t-shirt got up and told his story and he said this like it was yesterday. Jesus Christ is the only one that can forgive you. He is the only one because he is God and because he is perfect and because he laid down his life for you personally. When he said that, it was like a knife that went into my heart, man. I said, I'm in. I want to get to know this God. When my wife and I lived in Hawaii, we lived there for six years, and we just, you know, loved every minute of it. And certainly not all palm trees and sand. It's, you know, there's, there's just, it's a mission field. It's a very different culture. Although we fell in love with it, it was very, very difficult. And so one of the things that we would do once in a while, we'd go down to Waikiki. Anybody been down to, you know, downtown Waikiki? And we kind of walk the strip and just kind of hang out, get some food. We'd go down there because we lived like, you know, 500 feet away. It was like, you know, paradise. It was so much fun. And so as we were down there night after night after, you know, a few months of being there, my wife, Laura, she'd come home and she would just be in tears. And I was like, what, what's going on? What? She said, you know, the women that are walking down the street in prostitution, it hurts my heart that they think that this is what they're destined for. And she would just weep and cry and have like aching stomach pains over it. And so she decided to do something. She says, you know what? I, I, I want to, to help them. I want to do something. And so she um, hooked up with an organization that helps women with health care who are in prostitution. And so she volunteered to help with an organization that gives them health care tips and all these things. Here's, here's the amazing thing about this. Because there was a need that they had, because health care is a huge thing for women that are in, in that um, uh, line of business, um, that she wanted to try and meet that need that they had. And through meeting that need, of, she'd literally walk down the street with some of the women, and she'd have to go into the police station across the street from Waikiki to check in to just make sure that you know, she was safe and that the pimps weren't going to do anything and, and not like my wife being there. And so I walked on the other side of the street just to watch. I just want to make sure my wife's okay. But she's walking down the street with these women, and then after we'd go up back to our apartment, I said, well, what happened? She said, um, well, we traded recipes. I said, well, I hope you, I, I wish you were going to tell me, like you told them about Jesus, right? Like you gave them the gospel and, and they got saved and they're coming to church, right? She says, oh, no, 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 no. We got to go in small steps and small stages. And only women can minister to women in this context. So I was so excited because, well, I'll just tell you, I love my wife dearly. And she'll be the first one. She'll be here second hour today. But she'll be the first one to say, she likes, you know, she's... How do I say this without getting in trouble? Don't send me an email about this. I'm trying to be a good husband. She doesn't really like have a passion for cooking. Okay? She'll do it, but it's not like, you know, like this is the this is the passion of my life. I read cookbooks and I watch cooking stories and on TV and I just love cooking. She just she doesn't love it. So um when they were asking the 
the women who met my wife, they were asking as they were walking, so, you know, what do you do? My wife says, you know, I've got psychology degree and I'm a social worker and all this stuff. And she says, well, tell me about your husband. She says, oh, he's the greatest. No, she didn't say that. She says, well, what do you do for your man? She says, well, I try and cook. I mean, he really likes Italian food and spaghetti and all these things, but I just, I, I can't really cook. She says, girl, I need to teach you how to cook. So that relationship started happening and it is amazing out of that, which took a couple of years, but then my wife got opportunity with some of them to tell them about the love of Jesus. Can I say this? That every single person, there is level ground at the foot of the cross. There is no us and them. There is no those people. They. There is none of that. Because I know the depth of my, my depravity. I know. I know the thoughts that were in my head. I know where I can go to very dark places. I'm not a perfect person. We are all sinners in need of Jesus Christ. And whatever level you find yourself at, Jesus wipes the slate clean no matter what we've done, no matter what we've thought, no matter what we've been involved in. Here's what I want to say about that moment. When we love people for free and we show them God, and don't, don't give me all the stuff, well, there's certain sins I just can't be around. We live in a sin-infested world. That's why our world is in decay. That's why we got so many problems. That's why, you know, Russia's invading Ukraine and uh, China's doing what they're doing and North Korea and all these on this big scale because it's one thing because of sin. And the only way to fix the world is when we fix one person at a time through Jesus Christ. These are the things that I picked up from this woman who I tell you, I like her because she has nothing else than wanting to be in the presence of the one who changed her life and show her adoration. She was writing the love letter. She wasn't handing Jesus a Hallmark card. Here's what I see if you want to take some notes. Great forgiveness results in extravagant generosity. She gave very expensive perfume. She could have said, well, I need to save this perfume. One day I'm going to get married to a really good guy who loves God and he's going to love me. I'm leaving this life of sin. I'm not going to be in prostitution. No more sex industry. Now I'm going to seek God and do what he wants me to do. I can imagine. So this perfume, I have to save it for my, my wedding. No, I'm going to give it to Jesus now. Isn't it great to just give things to God now? I, I think there should be a planned giving. I think that we should budget, and my wife and I budget right off the top. We just give God first because I believe in a God who said, give me your very first fruits, and I'll take care of the rest, which is really cool. God lets us keep 90%. God's such a good God. But there's sometimes a spontaneous kind of giving. We see a need, and we just meet that need, and we trust that God's going to take care of it. That's why I like her because she had this need that she saw, and she gave her very best to Jesus Christ. All right, number two that I see is only God can forgive sins. Jesus, therefore, is God. Boy, I thought I'd get an amen on that one. Jesus is God. John chapter 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made. We know that scripture. Jesus is God, right? So if he's God, everything he said is true. And if everything he said is true, he's here with us now. Some of us might be trapped Maybe in the sex industry right now. There's some of us, our mind is trapped there. there. There's some of us that are caught in some type of behaviors of lying, stealing, cheating, all these things that we get involved in. We think, oh, well, it's no big deal, just a little bit. That's like saying someone goes up to 7-Eleven, gets a 64-ounce of Coke, and I said, do you mind if I just spit a little bit? It's just a little bit in your drink. You wouldn't drink that. And I think we say, well, these little sins, they really don't matter. It does. It erodes my soul. 
and it keeps me hindered from being just in the presence of God with freedom. So only God can forgive. There's hope because if there's any one of us here today, we just ask Jesus to forgive us right now and he does it. You don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to go to a pastor. You don't have to light candles. You don't have to, you just ask Jesus, forgive me God. If your heart is sincere, it is done. First John 1, 9, amen? Number three is we are saved by faith, not works. Woo! Thank you God that I don't have to work for my salvation. This has always been God's way of salvation. It's always been that way through the New Testament. And this is why this woman has come back. Appreciation and affection. It wasn't just to say, hey, thank you, Jesus. Give you a tip. Man, this was a full on, I am giving everything back to you. I just want you to know, Jesus, how much I love you. And don't you love the way Jesus shuts down arrogance and pride and better than and religiosity and all that stuff that we even see in our world today. I love the way he manhandles it. He doesn't say, what the heck's the matter with you? You know the Old Testament and you're talking to me like that. Do you know who you're talking to? I mean, that's the way I would be, right? Jesus says, let me, let me just slow this down a little bit. Let me, let me tell you a quick story. And of course, we heard, we read here in the text. I want you to think about those of you that own a home in this Saddleback Valley area, right? It's a little difficult right now to even rent an apartment, rent a home, let alone buy a home. My kids are uh, past, you know, just graduated from college. So now they're thinking about these things as dad. I can't believe how much houses cost. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's not easy, is it? It's crazy around this place. Would you agree? So uh, can you imagine getting a letter from Wells Fargo? Let's say your mortgage company is Wells Fargo. You owe 653000 still on your home. And you get a letter saying your, your presence is requested at the Wells Fargo, Crown Valley, and Marguerite Parkway at certain, certain times, such and such place right there. We need you and your wife to come in. You have no idea what it is. You come in, you sit down. There are three people seated across the desk, two women, one man. They take their glasses off and say, we would like to let you know that your mortgage has been forgiven. Yeah, woo! I can hear it. Can you, you own, yeah, woo! You own your house free and clear, baby. It is done. What would you do? You'd reach across the desk. You'd hug the person. You'd say, I want to throw a party for everybody here in the bank. We own our own home. Now we, we love God. He's done everything possible. Your, your response would be affection and adoration and attention. Everything on the person, the group that is forgiven. Your probably question would be, well, who did it? Oh, that person wants to remain anonymous. Can you imagine? Now, I know sitting here today, that's a very sterile, you know, scenario. But what if that really happened? You own your own home in Mission Viejo or Lake Forest, Portola Hills, Foothill Ranch, wherever. You would be elated. You would find ways to be gracious and honoring, right, in, in, in all circumstances. Now, I realize as we wind this down and talk about this today, how I want to go back to the original thing of unbelievable forgiveness. We're forgiven, but how? How can I express my gratitude, my affection to this God, not just with a Hallmark card? I mean the Hallmark card, but how can I go deeper with him? I know we're supposed to serve others. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. I thank God that this church is partnering across the border with little orphans who do not have a mommy and a daddy and there's a place that loves them and we go across and help them and I hope that you'll get involved in helping. Jesus commanded us to do that and there's great joy when we do that, amen? 
I, I realize that the Bible says, Paul said in the in New Testament, pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying. So prayer is a huge part. Serving is a huge part of saying, God, thank you for all you've done in my life. I know giving back to God, not just money, but just giving our hearts to people along the roadside of life. I realize all those things are important and commanded by God. But this one right here is different. There's a special kind of spiritual intimacy that realizes when I come in contact with a living, breathing, active, vibrant God who loves me, who's resurrected from the dead, I will do whatever it takes to get to this God. Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. I just want to know, how hungry are you? How thirsty are you? Not for things of the world, because that stuff will take care of itself. That, 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 stuff, that stuff is meaningless. It's like sand that sits through the fingers. It's going to be gone in a matter of years. What really matters is you and Jesus. What matters is your love and your affection for him. And the more that you come into a place like this when you come, I want to encourage you to worship him. Worship him the way that you stand at Angel Stadium or Dodger Stadium. Woo! I am so glad we're on the same team, right? And we just, we just, we do those things. I have seen strangers high five at Angel Stadium, don't even know the guy. But what, we're rooting for the same team. We're doing that here. And the posture is my heart. The posture is your heart. I want to I wanna ask us to guard from being religious and giving the Hallmark card, but writing these love notes to God and tell him how thankful you are. So when we come and sing these songs, which is just a few minutes, it's a place for us to say, God, I love you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, God, for delivering me. Thank you, God, for setting my life on a whole new course. And I just want to express God to you with my tears and just wiping your feet. God, I I love you. I love you, God. You know, the, the hope for every single Jewish person was to go to Mount Zion. Mount Zion was a special place. It was the highest place of the temple that Solomon built. It was the very place that Abraham sacrificed and said to God, God, you have everything in my life, even my children. It was where David got victory over his enemies and the enemies, most of all, of God. It was a place where Jacob had dreams and visions of heaven. It was a place where Solomon literally built this huge, magnanimous temple where the Jews could come and worship God. It was a heavenly dwelling place. And God said in the scripture in Revelation, there is a Mount Zion that we are all going to called heaven. This is just a precursor before we get there. What do you think we're going to do in heaven for eternity? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We're going to be with Jesus forever, so we start now. Don't miss opportunities. Don't miss the opportunity to show your expression, your passion, your love, your adoration for the God who loves you and will never give up on you. And who looked into your face and looked into your eyes and said, you are forgiven. Don't miss it. So what can we do to finish this up? Be willing to go. I got to be willing to go. I love Jesus' example. Be willing to go. Where you are called to meet the needs of others. And it might be walking down the streets of Waikiki in a place where, what are you doing? Isn't it interesting that Jesus uses, usually calls us to do things that are outlandish by the world? Noah, what are you doing? Right? Building this huge boat. What are you building a boat for? Well, it's going to rain. What's rain? God told me to build the boat. I'm building the boat. Abraham puts his son on his back and carries the wood, the very sacrifice. Abraham, what are you doing? 
I'm obeying God. You can't be doing that. I'm trusting God. I'm doing what he told me to do. It's by the world's standards, it looks foolish. But by God's standards, it's trust. There are people every single day that cross your path and they are dying and they are lost and they need the love of Jesus Christ. And God has given you and I so much. And we're worried about our pension and we're worried about so much of our retirement and we're worried about this and that, whether this person likes me or whether I'm going to that party or all the stuff that we worry about, have no business worrying about. God will take care of all that stuff. It's about serving God and his kingdom first. So find people. I want you to find two people this week who are hurting. And I want you to be able to begin to start praying for them and watching and opening for doors that God will say, I want you to move in and be here with this person. Sometimes it's just listening to somebody's problems. Sometimes it's offering something that you might have that they don't have. And those might be open doors to tell them about the greatest love that they could ever find. The second thing is, I want you to express your love for Jesus in tangible ways. She did something tangible. She brought her perfume. She's, I think in that moment, I think she was like, oh my gosh, I spilled this perfume all over his feet. I made a mess. And she's so ashamed of what she did. She begins to dry his feet with her hair, taking her hair out of her bun, which was culturally unacceptable. She does that. Why? Because in an embarrassing moment, it's the least she can do for Jesus who saved her life. Has Jesus saved your life? Jesus, Jesus deserves more from Pastor Mike. Jesus deserves more from us. He is not someone that we put on the shelf and we say hi to on Christmas and Easter and give him just a little bit of a tip. He demands my total surrender, man. Total surrender. Which leads to the last one, and I hope we're all in this together. Love and care for sinners. Love and care for them. No matter what they've done. No matter what they've done. Who, do, who am I to think that I'm so holy and mighty that, that someone else get caught in some sin? Oh, I would never do that. The minute I start saying the minute I'd never do that, oh, Jesus, I'll go to crucify with you. I'll die for you, Lord. I'll be with you. He's denied Jesus three times. You know him, Peter. The minute I start setting myself up like Simon, I'm in trouble. The minute I set myself up like this woman, it's exactly where God wants us to be. So what's it gonna be? The Hallmark card or the love letter from your heart? Lord Jesus, we just wanna say we love you. Love you. And God, sometimes we don't know. We don't know how to say it, God. Sometimes our heart is just bursting because you've done so much for us and we've given so little. And our hearts, God, we feel bad about that. But my prayer, God, is that you would lift us up out of those moments when we don't know what to do or what to say. The Holy Spirit, you will come alongside us and show us, like this woman, how to sit at your feet and express our love and gratitude to you, God. This is our prayer. This is, this is what we ask, God. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning is continued worship. You know what I love about communion? It's an intimate moment of the Last Supper with God. And that's what this is for you. We want you to have just time with Jesus, a few moments, where you just sit at his feet and just be there with him Father I thank you for the gift of faith I thank you Jesus that you're in every moment every moment God you are right there 
I pray this communion time is so special for your family, your people, God, your children. That when we take that juice, it reminds us that you laid down your life. You let the Roman soldiers pound your feet and hands with the nails. And we see your body. We see the love in your eyes. We see the crown of thorns pressed into your head. And we see you looking at us saying, forgive. They don't know what they're doing. So help us, Jesus, to just be with you in this moment as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here and we'll see you next time.